This is the I Read Comic Books podcast, coming to you with a special edition mini-sode about Action Comics 1000. I'm Kara Shamborski, and with me is Paul Jaisley. Hello. Hello, Kara. How are you? I'm so ready to talk about Superman, Paul. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Me too. I love to talk about Superman. I know we did talk about Superman on one of the regular episodes recently, episode 144, but we have a very specific topic for today's episode. Yes, Action Comics number 1000 is in stores April 18th. Now, Paul, why is this such a landmark issue? Well, there's a lot of zeros there. That's a one with three zeros in in comics. Usually episodes or issues that end with a lot of zeros are a big deal. No, I mean, we talked about this on the previous episode. We talked about this year, 2018, being the 80th anniversary of Superman as a character and superheroes as a genre, basically. But Action Comics 1000 happens to be, you know, happening the same year, which is a big deal. And I think... Uh, regardless how one feels about Superman, the idea that a comic book has reached 1,000 issues is pretty impressive. So it's worth uh, noting and talking about. So let's do a little backstory for our listeners. Action Comics number one with Superman started superheroes as we know them. If you like any kind of superhero in any kind of media, you have Action Comics number one in Superman to thank for that. Correct. Yes. So uh, the first issue came out in June of 1938, way back. And it's notable for a couple of different reasons. Um, you mentioned the first Superman story and essentially the first superhero story by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster in that issue. It's also the first American comic book to have all new material. Up until then, in the 30s, most comic books would have new stories and reprints of news, news strips from uh, newspapers, comic strips. So... This was the first issue to have all new material, uh, national publications, which later became DC Comics, published it, and they introduced the world to Superman. So that that happened in that very issue we're talking about. You had an interesting note here in our show notes about how this is actually the second oldest U.S. comic still in publication. So why is Detective Comics older, but we're talking about action comics? Yeah, it's a weird sort of footnote, I guess, here. So Detective Comics started, I think, the year before... Um, National publications were publishing both titles. But Action Comics was weekly for a brief period in the 1980s, Action Comics Weekly. So there's more issues of Action Comics, even though Detective Comics is technically the older of the two um, series. Comics renumbering. You got to love it and hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So you can impress your friends with that, that factoid. But I I think we want to talk about this first issue of Action Comics, you know, in the framework of the history of Superman. It's really interesting as a Superman fan, and I know you are a Superman fan as well. Absolutely. To go back and read that very first story and to see not only how much the characters change and how comic books have changed, but actually how how the I think the what makes the character appealing the core of the character is really unchanged in the past 80 years. It's really the same Superman you recognize today, maybe drawn a little differently. Yeah, the Superman in Action Comics number one is trying to root out corruption, stop an innocent woman from being electrocuted for a crime she didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're seeing a little bit of his alias Clark Kent as a reporter given an assignment and then saying, eh. I think the better story is in Washington, D.C., and he goes and exposes a shady lobbyist who's dealing with a senator. And Mm -hmm. it's just this theme that 
established who he was as a character that he's sticking up for people who might not have the power to stick up for themselves and he's using his abilities as both a superpowered being and as a journalist to do the best that he can in all the situations that he finds himself in yeah i mean and that's what do you think of superman that's all the things you still you think about maybe some of the details have changed but i think you know the the idea of someone standing up for what's right using their powers to benefit the less fortunate that's what superman is and i think that obviously there are characters before superman that influenced that you know characters like um Doc Savage, the pulp heroes, and science fiction characters. But really, the idea of a superhero, I think that's really unique to this first story. I, I do want to talk about the cover of Action Comics number one very briefly because it's such an iconic image. It's been parodied and homaged in comics and in pop culture over and over again. It's that image of Superman picking up the car and smashing it against the rocks. While and people, people flee. Are, fleeing in terror and what i think is so interesting if you we know that being the first superman story and we've had 80 years since then to kind of understand it but if you saw that in the newsstand there's nothing to say introducing superman or the word superhero and actually that image is actually really terrifying you know it's this really powerful guy crushing a car and everyone else is just looks completely terrified there's no indication that it's actually a heroic figure and i love that just the mystery of that image I think the image is also powerful because you can tell right away what's going on. Like you said, absent the nuance of, is this a good guy? Is this a Mm -hmm. bad guy? But you understand right away that this is a man who can do things that other men can't. And it's terrifying to them. Yeah. Yeah, there is... I mean, this is probably a larger discussion for another time, but there is something inherently sort of terrifying about about the idea of superheroes. And I think that's really good superhero stories kind of explore that. So the idea that this is a brand new comic and a brand new genre, and that's the first image you see is really striking. And I, I do love that on the very first page, we get a sort of truncated version of Superman's origin. And it's, again, the details have changed over the past 80 years, but the core of it's still there. It's the idea that... Uh, uh, distant planets being destroyed and in the last attempt to save their race someone puts the baby in the rocket and it flies away lands on earth he has incredible powers and he uses them to help people that's really all you need all of the sort of you know kryptonian lore and mythology is secondary to that sort of core story yeah it just becomes a, a more fleshed out backdrop from our apparently insatiable need to know all the prequel <laughs> details for everything however irrelevant they may be to the core of their things <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do think it's interesting to note that in this story, they imply that uh, all Kryptonians have these abilities. It's not the idea that Superman gets his powers from the Yellow Sun, which is kind of the version we know now. But back then, it's this idea that the Kryptonians are more evolved than humanity. They're like a more evolved race and they have these abilities. It's interesting to see how quickly that story kind of disappeared and was replaced by the idea that he's unique because he's on this planet as a visitor. I wonder if that early concept of all Kryptonians having these abilities on Krypton as well as on Earth was just too horrifying. (laughs) I think as humans, we're very used to being at the top of the food chain. Mm -hmm. And the idea that we might not be alone in the universe and that we might be on the bottom of the food chain in the universe is just a little too scary for most people to sit down and contemplate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there is that that sort of weird sense of 
a sort of Darwinism or evolution element involved where it's, you know, Superman is part of this race that's just millions of years evolved beyond humanity. And I think that might be uncomfortable. You know, it is a great science fiction concept, but as Superman became less of a science fiction based character, more of a superhero, I think that's, that's a clear thing that they could change, you know? And there's again, another bigger discussion here that isn't unique to the, or isn't, isn't, isn't rooted in the story itself, but the idea that Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster are, they're Jewish comic book writers uh, from Cleveland, and they dream up this character, and the character really is rooted in the sort of Jewish messianic fiction. You know, the idea of putting a baby in a basket and putting it down the river, that's from, you know, the Old Testament, but the idea of putting a baby in a rocket ship is just basically just updating that story. So the Superman 20th is century. In, exactly. So Superman is an inherently Jewish messianic figure, and I think having him be unique from Kryptonians because he's the last one and he has these powers because he's a visitor, that's actually more powerful of a story than the idea of a whole race of, you know, highly evolved Kryptonians. I think that with Superman as this as this godlike figure, which is an idea that uh, comics armchair historians have discussed since his inception as a character essentially mm-hmm. is also interesting because you see DC comics templating a lot of their heroes on his initial success. Their heroes tend to be larger than life. And mm-hmm. by the time the fifties rolled around, they were seen as kind of bland in their perfectionism, which is why when Marvel comics burst onto the scene in the sixties with their heroes that were quote unquote human and flawed, had such an impact and I feel like DC has spent so much time trying to turn their characters into Marvel characters and not quite getting there because it feels like they're almost misunderstanding what they made. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting point. I mean, it's it's interesting to think about that because I, I've always been a DC fan and I don't think that distinction is as, you know, hard and fast as it was, you know, in the past decades, but I've always found those type of characters more interesting than the sort of Stanley, typical, flawed, tragic hero. You know, I like the idea of there being a sort of larger than life mythological figure like Superman. You know, Batman is a regular guy, quote unquote, but the idea of he becomes a symbol, that's a very mythological type concept. Wonder Woman is actually a goddess. Like, I like those types of stories because that larger life thing is a type of escapism that I find appealing, you know? It's like DC made this pantheon and then tried to turn them mortal, but you can't just do that to gods. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's true, yeah. Uh, That's true. Well, it's interesting to know, again, this is one of the very first superhero stories. I mean, probably the very first one because, you know, there were, like I mentioned, there were precedents, there were characters that influenced uh, Siegel and Schuster to create Superman, but... I think even in this first story, Superman feels different. You know, the idea of him wearing a bright costume, whereas pulp heroes tended to be more in the shadows and, you know, not be these bright, garish characters. And uh, Superman's demeanor is interesting, too, because he's not... This isn't this sort of avuncular, friendly Superman that we get in Christopher Reeve, right? This is He's a very, like, intimidating, almost threatening figure in this story, and it's really fascinating to see that. And he's very aware of it, too, in the scenes where he's Clark Kent. We are also introduced to Lois Lane, and he asks her out on a date. And she's like, well, I guess, 
okay. Mm-hmm. And they go out and there are these thugs at this club that they're at and dancing. And one of the thugs tries to cut in on Lois and Clark just lets it happen because he doesn't want to cause a scene because he knows he's going to mess that other guy up seriously bad. <laughs> and meanwhile, Lois is just feeling like her date is leaving her to fend for herself. So she smacks the thug across the face. And Clark <laughs> is saying, no, Lois. But in his head, he's going, yes, girl. <laughs> just, <It's>, yeah. <laughs> I love that. He's really proud of her for standing up for herself. The relationship between Lois and Clark is cool to see in this issue because even that feels unchanged in the past 80 years. I mean, obviously, there are periods where they were married and things like that, and she knew that he was Superman at certain points. But the sort of, I think in terms of pop culture, most average people understand Lois and Clark. You know, this is the same version of those two characters, you know. It's Superman doing his thing, trying to do good. Lois doing her thing as a journalist, trying to get the story. And mm-hmm. just she's super feminist, just standing up for herself <laughs> and knowing what she wants and what she doesn't. And Clark is also super feminist in accepting that she has a mind of her own. Just <laughs> wanting her to be the best that she can be, whether that involves him or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's an interesting way. I mean, that that's an interesting way of thinking about it. I think that's that leads into another unique thing about this first story is that it really does present Superman, as we've hinted at, as a sort of champion of the underdog. And if you think about this story being coming out at the tail end of the the Depression, and Superman really is a populist hero. And you mentioned he saves uh, uh, innocent women from being executed for a crime she doesn't commit. There's also part in the story where he stops an abusive husband from beating his wife. Uh, there's also a part at the end of the story where he essentially kidnaps a corrupt congressman to to stop to like scare him into like not supporting a bill. I, that part was kind of strange because it kind of ends in the middle of that scene, this first story. But the idea of Superman being someone that's fighting for social justice and standing up for the the disenfranchised that's come and gone over the past eighty years. But I love that it's right here in the very first story. That's baked into the character, the idea that he is a social justice warrior. To put it in a modern, you know framework i've always liked superman because superman is limitless in his abilities and yet he's doing good just because he knows it's the right thing to do and he wants to help people he could be doing literally anything but he's just trying to find his way to be the best uh the best person that he can be and that's why it annoys me when DC tries to make him like gritty or conflicted or things like that. Cause I'm like, no, like the whole point of Superman is that he's something to aspire to not in his abilities, but what he does with them. Exactly. Exactly. What makes him, you know, a superman or a superhuman is his morality more than his powers. You know, I've always liked the idea that Superman has all these abilities, but what makes him special, makes him a hero is that undying sense of doing what's right and standing up for the little guy and never giving up. And that's something that I think everyone should aspire to. He's an aspirational character because he represents the qualities that we want humans to have or aspire to. But because he can never be defeated, he can never be killed, he can do all the things that we're supposed to do, you know? So I, I've always liked the idea of a super powerful Superman. And that it's interesting seeing this first story. He doesn't have the same powers that we know, 
and yet he still feels sort of, you know, incredibly powerful. He can't fly yet. Um, he can just jump a long way. Uh, they say that he could, his skin can only be, you know, hurt by a, an exploding shell. So he can, bullets bounce off him, but something more powerful might not. And as that, as he's grown more powerful, I actually think that character makes the character more interesting over the years because, like we were saying, he can do and stand up for everything without ever having to, uh, you know, to step back. He's always doing the right thing because he can. Superman has been a part of so many different types of media at this point. We were talking about how his origin story evolved, and a lot of that was because of the radio serials about Mm -hmm. him at the time and the cartoon strips that would play before newsreels in the cinemas in the 40s. And he was the first successful superhero film in the 80s, right? Oh, the, uh, I think Superman came out in 78. So late 70s. Yep. Early 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Close enough. And he's been so prevalent in so many forms of media that I think even if you haven't read a comic ever or even seen in depth a lot of his story, you just as an American kind of know about him. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. the average person who is in America or exposed to a lot of American media will be able to answer a fairly substantial number of questions about superhero about Superman and who he is and <laughs> details about his backstory. <laughs> I mean, words like kryptonite have entered our lexicon as yeah. things that people will understand if you use it casually in a sentence. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it speaks to the power of the even this very first story that that happened because it, this wasn't a thing where Superman was a comic book character then later became adapted. I mean, those radio stories started in the early 40s. So he was kind of immediately a, a sensation, a pop culture sensation. And I get that sense from reading this story. And I, I already hinted at it, but I like the idea that you have people in the coming out of the depression, you know, looking for a hero that represents them and reading this story, I can see how it really connected them. Did you get a sense reading this first story again of, of, why the character clicked with people or why he became so popular? Reading Action Comics number one again just felt so immediate in its storytelling, even Mm -hmm. though it was written in the late 30s and is set in the late 30s. The things that were happening are things that we still see today. There is injustice in the world and you can either do something about it or not, and Superman is always going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it still resonates. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're talking about the origin of the character and what's unique to it, and, you know, we've hinted at the little details that have changed, but again, I think the the core of the character is still there in the early 30s, and it's still, or the late 30s, and still here now. But Superman... Because he became a part of part of pop culture, and because he helped launch this superhero genre, this character and the comic book medium have this sort of synchronicity in a way. You know, they seem to mirror each other a lot, a lot of the times. Where where pop culture and comic books are headed, Superman is kind of leading the way, and still to this day, in a weird sense. That makes me think of the death of Superman storyline in the comics in the '90s, because that was 
a comic issue that was so promoted and got so much press that a lot of non-comic readers were very interested in it, buying it up, and it arguably began the collector bubble (laughs) for comics in the 90s where people were just trying to buy all of these issues that were deemed to be these valuable collector items that would appreciate in value. And now I just see so many unopened death of superman (laughs) issues that you can buy for like two (laughs) dollars because i mean so many of them were made and it was just all this rampant speculation over basically nothing yeah i I think that's one of the biggest examples obviously i I had the special polybagged issue that came with a black armband with a superman logo on it i i had all of that when it came out because i bought into it and of course i see those issues in the dollar bin now at my local comic shop. But so I think that is an important event though in comic book history because it may have been detrimental at the time because the industry almost collapsed under the weight of the speculation movement. But the idea of Superman being the the iconic superhero, like the first one helped launch the genre, helped launch the comic book medium as we know it in a lot of people's minds to have that character die and obviously he came back, you know, better than ever, but the idea of him dying almost in a weird sense mirrors that collapse of the comic book industry in the nineties due to speculation. The more I think about the death of Superman, the more horrified I am by the whole thing because (laughs) it was all these people wanting to witness the death of this icon of goodness and hope and light in the world. <laughs> I was like, what does this say about us as a society? I Yeah, well, he, he dies, but he comes back more powerful. And just like Jesus. Is, just like Jesus. Again, that messianic uh, you know, theme comes back. He comes back as four people, which is kind of interesting. That's a whole other discussion. Um, <laughs> but we see that starting a trend, too, because suddenly that became... A, a sort of a, a joking, you know, superhero, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Trope, where the character dies and comes back. Captain America dies, comes back. And that became just part of like the superhero genre, became a trope. Every character, no matter how powerful they are, is going to have to go through this death and then resurrection. So it's even Except though people Uncle might... Except Uncle Ben. Exactly. One person. They can never come back. I guess Gwen Stacy, but maybe. Um, but the idea that we want to see the, our heroes suffer, but we want to see them come back too. No one ever wants there to not be any more Superman stories, you know? So that that urge for having a redemption storyline as opposed to just a defeatist. So it's it's like you're witnessing the end of this character just because you want to know how they come back. I could see that being appealing. I mean, that's the the when people joke about Superman, say he's always too powerful. Well, well, yeah. I mean, Superman's always going to win. Don't sh- shouldn't the history of the character and the history of fiction be that the good guy always wins? And what makes Superman interesting is not that he always wins; it's how he's going to do it. So that even if he dies, what's interesting is like, well, how is he going to come back? More interesting than him actually dying. Because he just gets punched to death. It's really not a very interesting way he dies in that story. No, it just, <laughs> he's destroyed by this character that was definitely created just to be powerful enough to kill Superman. 
which is not interesting. But like you said, the interesting thing was seeing how they came back from killing Superman and yeah. him, quote unquote, coming back as a few different characters and uh, eventually rec- being reconstituted as the Superman that we know with the the different um dialogue and attitudes of that particular decade but it's still superman yeah and i think that's that's what's kind of interesting to me is that as much as the character can change the root of it is still the same and you know after action comics obviously number one we have this is in the late 30s in the 40s superman actually becomes like a a symbol of you know the american effort in the world war ii um, in the 50s and 60s, it becomes kind of the symbol of American strength in the Cold War. And then, you know, he seems out of date in the 70s, but then the Christopher Reeves portrayal in the movie sort of re- reinvigorates his popularity. Superman can never really go away, and he's going to change with the era. You know, he'll lose the red trunks for a while. They'll come back. He'll get it a weird electro blue costume for some reason in the 90s. <laughs> but, but it's he's all superficial. Always- Exactly. All that stuff is secondary to the root of the character, which I, again, I think is so fascinating to see it right there in this first 12 page story. Why do you think that Siegel and Schuster made his alter ego Clark Kent a journalist? I mean, in terms of storytelling, that gives him a way to know what's going on. And that happens in this story, right? Where his editor, they don't call him Perry White yet, but his editor basically says, we need you to go investigate this story that's happening, unfolding in South America, right? So that's how he gets us in. Instead, he goes to uh, Washington, D.C. to find this corrupt politician, and they hint at the war in Europe. So it's like Superman needs to be in tune with what's going on. And of course, in the 30s, newspapers are the only way to do that. In recent years, DC has struggled with Clark Kent being a newspaper journalist because of this whole crisis of the death of print, which I personally think is a little little too soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think at our current moment in history, it's even more interesting that Superman is a journalist because of the scrutiny that the media is under mm-hmm. at this time. Yeah, well, that's interesting because it's almost as if I think the idea of Superman or Clark Kent being a journalist makes sense in terms of storytelling, as I just said. But Lois Lane is a more interesting character in that regard because she is always searching for the truth. Clark Kent's a journalist as a way for him to have an in and know what's going on so he can turn into Superman and save the day. Lois is a true journalist who's doing it purely out of the search for truth. And I think given this contemporary uh, time we're in now where that's being degraded, that search for truth, Lois is almost a more heroic figure in that sense now. I always loved the portrayal of Lois and Superman in the early cartoon shorts Mm -hmm. that were created because she's such a pure journalist in those shorts, the the general plot line seems to be Lois is investigating a story that is putting her in very grave and immediate danger. And Superman's kind of like, Ugh, I have to rescue you again. Can't you stop <laughs> being so good at your job? But mm-hmm. she doesn't care. She's going to go out of her way to get the story. There's this one where she's investigating a volcano 
that's about mm-hmm. to blow. Everyone's evacuating the immediate area, and Lois is telling people to take her right to the center of the volcano action when the <laughs> volcano is actually starting to erupt and Superman's just there like, Lois, is this necessary? Must you be like this? But that's why he loves her because she is going to go out of her way to get the story even if she herself is in danger. Yeah, yeah. So they those two characters really complement each other really well because of that. You know, there, there's quest for truth truth and justice, you know, he's fighting for it. And so is, so is she in her own way. I, if I love those forties cartoons. So these are car- cartoons that Max Fleischer in his studio did in the early forties, I think 41 or 42. And even then, again, I can imagine what it must've been like to see those cartoons, to see Superman and these amazing physical feats he's doing. The appeal of the character is so obvious in those, you know, it's just using his talents to do the best that he can. Yeah, exactly. It isn't that what we all should do. We should all aspire to be Superman. That is the point. That's why he <laughs> continues to resonate as a character, no matter what DC tries to do to make him seem <laughs> gritty and normal. Yeah. I, but those things never stick, though. That's why I think it's so interesting. They never stick. Someone is always going to come back and kind of write the ship. So you have a note here in, the, in uh, our uh, show notes that I think I want to ask you about. You say, is a discussion about Superman really a discussion about the American psyche? What do you mean by that, Kara? I was thinking about how Superman started, like you said, at the tail end of the Depression and was used in World War II to kind of speak to the the moral rightness of mm-hmm. the American and allied causes and how throughout the decades he has meant slightly different things but still there's that core of doing right and doing the right thing and then I was thinking about the death of Superman how everyone just wanted to see this great aspirational character fall and it got me thinking about how we how we view Superman and how we as a society interact with Superman are we really just talking about ourselves through the lens of this character in the 20th century and what it means to be, because in the 20th century, the latter half of it, America was this global superpower and we still are, but we're starting to see other powers emerge or reemerge. And it's almost like Superman is the most concentrated pop culture version of examining our values as a society at any given point. Yeah, I that's absolutely right. And I think that's why I've always found the character so appealing. And it's really remarkable to imagine, you know, just two guys, Siegel and Schuster, who only got paid $130 to write this story, you know, launched not only a whole new fictional genre, a pop culture icon, helped fuel the comic book industry, but really gave us a lens through which to understand ourselves in this character. And that's why we're still talking about him 80 years later. And that's why there's a thousand issues of this comic, you know, that he was introduced in. So you still think that even in the 21st century, even in the world we live in right now, Superman can still uh, be a figure for us to look up to. He's still important. I absolutely think that one of my favorite Superman stories ever. uh, I can't remember the artist right now, but the writer is Mark Wade. It's called Superman Birthright. 
<laughs> and it is the one comic that has ever made me actually cry, <laughs> like physically <laughs> cry tears down my <laughs> face for a sustained period of time because it really does look at Superman in, I, I think, especially in the last few decades in the quest to make Superman seem badass and relevant. He's been more muscled out and toughened up. <laughs> and Birthright, which was a, a fairly recent story, gets back to the heart of Superman and looks at him as a person who is realizing that he has abilities that are different from other people and realizing that what he wants to do with those is to do good. And the, the way the story is told is so beautiful and so resonant. And it just makes me yearn for uh, people wanting to be optimistic and hopeful. Whereas right now, a lot of people are very pessimistic and feeling these defeatist attitudes, regardless of uh, what your socioeconomic status is or your political opinions are. I just feel like there's this cynicism and, and malaise and Superman at his best is the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like imagining how Superman must feel is how I think we all would want to feel if we really mm -hmm. comes down to it. Like I, I was trying to put myself in in the mental headspace of being Superman while, <laughs> while preparing for this episode. Sure. I was just thinking about how, because as the as his backstory evolved, there was a point where it was decided that his powers really came to their full uh, fruition during his adolescence and growing up in Kansas on the farm. And just this idea of, you know, picture yourself when you were 16 and just imagine stepping into the sunlight one day and realizing that it makes you feel like you've just eaten your favorite meal after feeling hungry for a few hours and mm -hmm. you've just drunk like a, a cup of your favorite kind of coffee and just this feeling of of energy and satisfaction fills you and you look down and you realize your feet are not on the ground anymore. Like how mind blowingly awesome is that? So mm -hmm. just trying to like think what it must be like to be Superman's existence. And some of that is kind of explored in the birthright story that I was talking about it just makes me feel very emotional. Like there is more to this world than just feeling bogged down by everything and and superman is so has always been since his inception a way for us to have an escapist fantasy of being able to do the right thing in the most profound way possible yeah i mean that's that's really a great way to put it because i think that's the powers are always secondary to that motivation. And I think that Mark Wade's story is a great example of that because the story starts with him trying to find a way to do the most good without relying on his powers. You know, it's, it's only when he needs to that he does. So that motivation is more interesting than his abilities in that story. And I think that's what makes good Superman stories so good. Also, that story, uh, Mark Wade implies that his powers lead Superman to be vegetarian, which I don't think is canon anymore, but I always kind of liked that that explanation of that. 
because he just sees so much of what's happening in the natural world and he recognizes that living things are living like him. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've got goosebumps just thinking about that story again. I have to go back <laughs> and reread that. So, um, so yeah, so we're here. We're talking about Action Comics 1 and Action Comics 1000. I, as we've hinted at, I think the idea of that being a milestone is pretty impressive, especially in this contemporary comics industry trend of continually renumbering things. I love that they went back and said, all right, this thousand issue of this is a milestone. We're going to celebrate it. Uh, so I think this the future of Superman looks bright. So I, I hope we get 80 more story, years worth of stories with this character. I certainly hope so. 